For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Glad to have your company for another D-Word podcast where we talk dementia. My guest this week is Peter Middleton, whose career in the police force was ended by a diagnosis of early onset dementia. Since then, he's become a tireless campaigner trying to lift the stigma that surrounds the condition. Well, Peter, it's a delight to uh, have you here on the D Word as my guest. Um, I've looked up your your LinkedIn profile, and you describe yourself as a blogger, fundraiser, public speaker, volunteer, and research lab rat. So, I think amongst all that lot, there's going to be plenty to talk about. But um, before before we do, can we wind the clock back a little bit, and you tell us a little bit about? when you felt things weren't quite right and that you you might want to go and seek some help for what was going on? Yeah, sure. Uh, um, It happened about, I guess, about seven years ago, Pete. I mean, uh, uh, seems a long time now, but I was working at that time as a police community support officer in uh, the area of St. David's and Kingsthorpe in Northampton. Uh, thoroughly enjoying it. I've been working there for about 12 years. Um, and, um, do you know, I began to think, to feel as if I wasn't doing the job as well as I used to. Um, nothing I put my finger on. Didn't assume for a second that it might be dementia. I just knew I wasn't coping the way I used to. The analogy that I like to use is that I felt like one of those circus acts that we've all seen, and they used to be on the variety shows on the TV at the weekend, where you see people with sticks and they spin plates on them and they rush frantically around trying to keep the plates in the air. And that was how I felt. But I had this horrible feeling that I just couldn't do it anymore and that one of those plates was going to fall and smash. And for me, of course, each one of those plates represented a vulnerable person and I couldn't manage I contacted my bosses and explained the way I was feeling. And they told me uh, that I was being lazy uh, and sent me back to work. And uh, I I had, I guess you call it a nervous breakdown, a good old fashioned nervous breakdown. I just burst out crying at work and uh, very unmanning. And um, I couldn't, couldn't go on. So I was sent to see a doctor and uh, as most uh, overworked general practitioners do. He gave me about five minutes of his time, um, gave me a cognitive test, which I passed with flying colours. But I have a measured IQ of 153, and I've been a member of Mensa for nearly 40 years, so I guess I'm quite good at passing tests, although my wife would tell you I'm not the cleverest bloke in the world. So, yeah, I passed the test, so he, he assumed that it must definitely then be depression and anxiety that I was suffering from. Now, I was certainly anxious, wouldn't you be, if you felt that you couldn't do your job the way you used to? But depressed? Never. 
I'm a happy bloke. Me, if ignorance was bliss, I'd be the happiest man in the UK, at least. Um, but you believe what the doctors tell you, and it didn't occur to me that I had dementia because dementia is an old person's thing, isn't it? So um, I languished on sick leave for a long time, kept trying to go back to work, but every time I went back to work, um, I found that I couldn't do what I used to do. I was turning up at the wrong time for meetings and in the wrong places, um, which, which I didn't used to do. And um, eventually, after about 18 months, when I went down to half pay, uh, I was seeing a, an occupational therapy, uh, therapy doctor quite often, and a new one arrived. And the lady sat me down um, to introduce herself to me. And after a couple of minutes, she said, Pete, I think you might have dementia. She said, I'm getting the vibes here and the signs that you, you might have dementia. Have you had a memory test? And of course I hadn't, because uh, I hadn't really been near the uh, uh, the National Health Service other than to see my GP that once. But the uh, North Hampshire Police are a good employer, really, and they paid for a, um, a brain scan for me and a neurologist appointment. And the brain scan showed conclusively that I have voids in the brain around my hippocampus, classic um, Alzheimer's disease uh, symptoms. And um, so I finally got a diagnosis, and that was five years ago last month. That's a, and for a, a breath of fresh air, really. Yeah, I, don't, I was going to say what, when you got that. Um, you know, what kind of support were you offered then after you, you had a diagnosis and it was fairly, you know, it was clear what it was? Well, that's interesting, and this is where you, the intriguing name of your podcast, The D Word, comes in for me, because I think of lots of D words associated with that time, you know. Um, I guess for, for uh, after my diagnosis of dementia, uh, I got a lot of don'ts, my wife and I. They tell you, don't drive anymore, don't work. They tell you all the negative things and the things that you can't do. What they don't give you any Ds of is the do words, the doing words. What should I be doing? So my wife and I walked out of walked out of that room, wondering what the heck happened next. We got a mountain of literature, which we were in no condition really to look at uh, coherently because of the shock of the diagnosis. Although, as I say, it was it was a breath of fresh air because it answered a few questions and gave us a bit of certainty. What we don't have in England at the moment is a dementia pathway. Now, they have one in Wales now, and I believe in Scotland too. And we desperately need a dementia pathway. It's no good just giving someone a diagnosis and then saying, off you go then, because there's no cure. You know, there are other things that can be done to to help us on our journey, you know. We need to get cracking and get that put in place. But we walked away with all of those things, really. Um, and I suppose some other D words come to mind, I suppose. You know, depression and uh, uh, you know the, the, those those words for not knowing. You know, anger. There was a bit of anger uh, there. All the natural things, I guess, that you get after a, a, a life changing diagnosis like that. Anger. I was a little bit frightened. All of those things. But it didn't stay that way for long. I just. Uh, what Pam and I, we, we're lucky. We talk a lot. Pam's my missus, and uh, we got back and had a chat. I said, right, what's next? And neither of us knew, really. So uh, I noticed that there was the phone number of the dementia helpline for uh, Alzheimer's Society on the back of one of the documents. So I phoned them up. 
And uh, I suppose I must have been on the phone for about two hours, although I don't, it didn't seem like five minutes. There, there was a wonderful lady on there, and I sort of opened my heart up to her, and I got the emotion out of me. And I just put my put myself at her mercy and said, please, how can I help? How can I be helped? And and she was great. She gave me a shopping list of things to do uh, to put in place to, to start clearing the decks for my dementia, my journey. And so that was what we did. Uh, I think top of the list was um, review your will. And if you haven't got one, which 50% of people haven't, jolly well get one. Next thing was your lasting powers of attorney, your LPAs, both of them. Get your legal affairs in order and your personal ones in order. And the third one was have a good chat about your end of life and uh, and what your dementia is going to mean for you and how you'll fill your life going forwards. And include your kids in that and your loved ones and your family and your friends. Let them all know, you know, don't come out of that dementia closet and just be honest with people um, because you're still the same person that you were before your diagnosis, really, aren't you? You're just a person with a diagnosis. Uh, the neurologist didn't pick me up, turn me upside down and tip all the marbles out of my jar when she gave me a diagnosis. She just gave me the, uh, you know, the, the knowledge of something that was already existing. Um, looking back on it, I think they could do a lot more. And so we set about putting all those things in place, ticking those boxes and actually clearing them away one at a time. That made me feel good uh, because, you know, life's too short. I do regret not having a a retirement like everybody else had. I regret having to sort of like, I don't know, creep away at the end of my work in life instead of that having that that proper retirement and, and, and tidying things away like that. But yeah, you can't have everything, can you? The station that makes you feel good. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The station that makes you feel good. This is the D Word Podcast, where my guest is dementia campaigner Peter Middleton. You know, I think one of the things you you did do is go public 
right from the very beginning. Whereas you, you, you know, you mentioned you alluded to the dementia closet. A lot of people find that really difficult, don't they? You know, as you know, I've gone through a kind of serious illness in the last couple of years, and yeah. I made that decision at the beginning to go public, and it was probably the best thing I did. And uh, you know, you, you've got to have some confidence in in doing that, though, haven't you? I think you have, but I'm I'm driven by the fact that I wanted to turn my dementia into something positive. Um, and for me, what helped me to come to terms with it was talking about it. The more you talk about something, the more comfortable you get with it. That's the nature of things, isn't it, really? And also I felt like I had a job to do because I was obviously not ignorant. I mean, I worked with people living with dementia, but you never think it could happen to you. And I thought, you know, people need to know about this because maybe they'll seek a diagnosis earlier. Because thinking about it, I should have seek, uh, sought a diagnosis earlier, really. The signs were there, but I only saw them in hindsight. And that's a shame. So, you know, there's a bit of education needs to go on there. Because the earlier you get diagnosed, the earlier you have a chance to go on those drugs that might help to slow down your rate of decline. And that will keep you out of the NHS system. And that's got to be good for, uh, you know, for, for the NHS and for the person concerned. That will keep you independent longer and keep you living a good life for longer. So it's got to be done. So I thought, well, why didn't I know? There was no one out there talking about it. At least if there was, I hadn't encountered them. So I sort of set myself on a mission, um, you know, to, to do that, to try and enlighten people. And also maybe to show them that it's not the end of the world. And that's what I still do all these years on and thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, one way you've done that is the blog, which is actually opening on my, opened on my screen now. I was reading one um, just before we uh, started talking. Uh, and, you know, your, your blog is amazing, I've got to say, because I, I just love the, the pictures and the whole format because it's so engaging. First of all, I mean, you know, dementia can be a dark world, but you've made it engaging to actually look and think, oh, I want to read the next one. And I've just read one, which I just love the title, which was The Curious Case of the Chili Gongani. Now, anybody that writes something like that, it's gonna, they're going to get my attention right from the start. I'm thinking, well, what's this all about? And, uh, you know, well, the, the blog's a, been a great way of, of kind of carrying on, you know, what are you talking about? You're very kind. That's that's the the P word. That's me being pretentious. I love to have a bit of fun, and I want to I want to intrigue people and make them want to read things. I don't want to write a blog about what I had for breakfast and what I did today because basically I have the same boring days as anybody else for the most part. But I do like to talk about things that I've encountered in my journey in dementia that interest me, things that I've discovered that I didn't know about dementia, and I didn't know about myself because I think. There's probably other people going through the same thing and they wonder, I wonder, you know, I've started having these lucid dreams as well. Is it just me? Well, actually, no, it isn't. It's quite common. Or I've started um, getting the wrong words and, uh, you know, so I can have a sentence and I'm I'm trying to ask my wife where the instructions are for the camera and I'll ask her where the resurrections are rather than the instructions because I get the wrong word. Uh, Malapropisms, they're called, as I found out. And, uh, of course, we both laugh. But, but there is a serious side to it too, and that's the the, co- the cognition bit. Something in my brain is not making the right connections anymore, whereas it, it did at one time. Uh, but it's funny. It is funny, and you have to laugh. But 
you know, let's let me, you know, let me write about it. Because if if I'm experiencing it, other people are experiencing it. Nothing special about me. And people who are not experiencing it, I want them to know maybe if if it's starting to happen to you, maybe that's a sign that you might have posterior cortical atrophy or something like that coming on or some form of dementia. Go and have a memory assessment. Because it may not be, might it? It might have a vitamin deficiency. Could be anything. A urinary infection. Could be anything. You don't know. But get it checked out. Because the worst thing in the world is not knowing. Because you feel like a right clown. You ick yourself. If you could have gone for a memory assessment and you didn't years ago. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's great advice, isn't it? And, uh, you know, the one thing, uh, you know, the the H word as well as the D word, humour, um, a lot of people said to me when I was working with my, my groups um, in the community, I, I heard some of the best one-liners I've heard in my life, without a shadow of a doubt. I had the uh, the former boxer from Gentish Town who said to me one day, you know, I'm one of 13 kids. And I said, wow, that's, you know, 13 kids. He said, yeah, it would have been 12, but mum and dad couldn't afford a TV. And <laughs> it's, it's just that kind of thing. But when I actually started working in this field and said to people, you can't laugh at that. Why can you, you laugh? people living with dementia i'm not laughing at people living with dementia like anybody else who's humorous i'm laughing with people living with dementia yeah things happen and you should laugh it's a bit uh why would you be uncomfortable at laughing uh, at uh some you know something funny that happens to someone with dementia it's not schadenfreude is it you know you're not laughing at their misfortune you're laughing at something funny that happens in life and it is funny I remember I got up the other morning, full of the joys of spring, uh, you know, as you do sometimes, don't you? You know, I'm happy and content in my life. The sun was shining. I went straight into the front room there, opened the curtains and waved at the people at the bus stop outside. And the wife said, Pete, she said, you haven't put any clothes on. Shut the curtains. So I pulled the curtains shut. She said, thank God for that. She said, people think I married you for your money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, strange things happen. Oh, and uh, and they are funny. In fact, I'm, I'm um, currently engaged with a bloke called Rob G. Uh, Rob G. Sorry, who uh, used to be a mental health nurse. Actually, he's also um, a performance artist and stand-up comedian. A lovely man, and um, we're going to ro- uh, co-write and co-present a uh, a comedy writing course next year in Northamptonshire and Leicester. So it's just got off the ground, hot off the presses. And we're starting to plan that now. Well, we'll all sit down together and we'll write limericks. Very risky thing to do. One line each at a time. Because you know you can start it off, but you never know how it's going to finish. And we'll have a bit of fun. And if we can put on a bit of stand-up as well with people who are living with dementia and also people with Asperger's uh, and other, you know, um, other conditions like that, uh, and have fun doing it. I, I, for me, that's bliss. What a wonderful thing to be able to do, eh? I keep, you know, keep me informed. That that sounds absolutely right on my street. And, Come and yeah. get involved, Peter. Yeah, maybe we could do a comedy skit on your on your on your show. 
Well, it, it actually has been done because up in uh, oh, I think Pete and Pete, we could be, couldn't we? We we could, you know, not Pete and Dud, but Pete and Pete. But uh, I, mean, I mean, this all goes to, to to getting those myths out of the way, doesn't it? And and removing yes. that stigma. We've had the conversation that you know I I had a serious illness. I could have been Pete with C, um, but you still are to certain people in the world, unfortunately, Pete with D. And I, you know, I couldn't get my head around why that is. Why is dementia treated so different to any other form of serious know. illness? I don't know. But I'm comfortable with that because I am Pete with D. I'm comfortable with that. Some people with dementia don't like it. I have endless arguments with people. Uh, people will say, you can't live well with dementia. And I say, well, I do. Not me, maybe not all the time. I have bad days, but I do. Don't say you can't live well with dementia. Yes, you can. Don't make me a victim. I'm just a victim of circumstance. That's all. Like anybody else, dementia chose me. I didn't choose it. But uh, just because I've got it doesn't mean to say I'm going to walk around in sackcloth and ashes, moaning and wailing all the time. Most of the time, I don't notice. Except that it's given me a purpose in my retirement, which I wouldn't have had otherwise. How on earth would have filled my retirement time if it wasn't for dementia? Thank you, dementia, for giving me a focus and something to do. Getting out from under my wife's feet, you know, and doing things that I think are useful and worthwhile. Raising funds for charities, you know, it's a dirty word, isn't it? Money. But without them, charities can't function. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, without wonderful people leaving legacies and things like that, and people climbing mountains and getting on penny-farthing bikes and, and cycling around the world and doing all those wonderful things that they do for charity, having their hair cut off, you know, and the little things that they do, giving tea parties and things, they're the lifeblood of, of that sort of thing. And I want to encourage them. That's another part of what I do. And I want to tell them, you know, what great, what a great difference it makes to people like me who wouldn't have any services if it wasn't for people like them. You know, yeah, gosh, I've, I've got so much to do. There is so much to do, but, you know, there are so many good people out there doing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they deserve uh, all the acclaim that you can give them. I mean, tell us a little bit about, the, you know, the research angle. Uh, you know, I've never spoken to a research lab rat before, so this is the, this is the first for me. I mean, what's that been all about? I'm a lab rat, yeah. I've been poked, rotted, interrogated uh, to within an inch of my sanity uh, on many, many occasions from people from neurologists through to uh, um, PhD students, you know, young students. And so is my wife as well, because her point of view, uh, as with most married couples, is often very different to mine because <laughs> um, we both know best. That's the... That's the that's that's the pity of it, but uh, her the insights that she has gained through being the carer for someone living with dementia, I find very useful to me too. Uh, they ground me, so that's one aspect of it. So what I've gained from that that research is I've gained an insight into my own condition. But um, the reason I do it, I guess, is because for me that's my legacy. I'm not rich. Uh, and I would love to leave a legacy, but there's never going to be the Pete Middleton Library in the Bodleian. There's, there's never going to be the Pete Middleton Wing of Northamptonshire General Hospital. Uh, the most, the only thing that I'd ever likely to be would be a 
park bench or something with a, with a plaque, a, a badly spelt plaque on it, you know, that, that, that seagulls use for a toilet. So no, I don't want to do that. <clears throat> but if by engaging in research, I can, uh, I can make things better for the people who come after me, who aren't even diagnosed yet, make their journey a little bit easier, uh, give researchers and clinicians more skills and more ability to uh, to find ways to help people, then that's fine. I don't do it because I expect the cure for myself. That'd be a bit daft, wouldn't it? And pretty unreasonable because it's not going to happen. I'd do it purely uh, for two reasons. One is that I want to leave that knowledge as a legacy for other people. And two is I've got an inquiring mind. And I learn a lot from the research that they do. I always ask them, please let me know the results of your research and keep me posted on it. So I'm learning an awful lot that I can then pass on to other people living with dementia and people interested in dementia when I do my public speaking and things like that. So I know all about blood biomarkers and uh, um, cerebrospinal biomarkers and all this sort of thing. I don't know all about them, but I know probably more than the average man, Jack, because I'm involved in research that has to do with that and the biomarkers uh, and things within, um, for instance, uh, saliva that can help decide a person's balance and all sorts of very interesting things. And this is probably the most exciting um, research on the horizon, I think, not just for people living with dementia, but all around the fact that soon biomarkers will be uh, able to tell us so much more about how uh prone we might be to develop certain conditions later in life now with that of course comes the ethical <laughs> pardon me the ethical considerations that go with all that when do you tell people do you tell them in fact because what will happen to when they want to get health insurance or anything like that how much will the premiums be or when they want to get a mortgage you know all of that sort of stuff has really got to be figured out and sorted out so there's always a brave new world in the world of dementia and I'm riding on the, the crest of it uh, with the work that I do. Gosh, it's exciting. If I was to give any advice, and, and I will actually, I'm quite free with it, to anybody living with dementia or a carer, I say, you know, you've got a lot of valuable resource there given to you, gifted to you through that dementia. You've got insight and uh, a view of life uh, and experiences that are totally invaluable to people. And you need to get involved and share that information. Because if you don't, you're being selfish. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. My guest on the podcast this week is dementia gambainer Peter Middleton. I think 
you know that's a that's a great maxim and one thing that that hits home to me because i've been invited on a few things and people have said oh you're an expert and i've said wait a minute can i stop you there because i'm not the people that are experts are people like you and people are living with dementia because I cannot know what you're going through. I can empathise, I can try and publicise, I can do everything I do. There's no way I'm an expert here. You know, but you guys are the experts. Experts by experience, as they say. Yeah. And yet when um, a major company is starting a project to do with dementia, maybe it's developing a... Uh, um, a gadget aimed at a person living with dementia or whether it's a, a service for people living with dementia, how often do they get an expert with experience on their on their panel at the very beginning? They don't do it, you know. They talk the talk where co-production is concerned, but very seldom walk the walk from the beginning, from the co-creation side of that co-production process. They don't do it. And yet, we're consultants. You think nothing of getting a consultant in for your steering group or your team? Why don't you get someone living with dementia in as a consultant in dementia? What's wrong with that? They still want to do things for us and to us rather than with us. Oh, they'll come along and ask us to tick a box at the end of it and say that we approve of what they've done. But really, we ought to be there in the first place. We can save them a lot of time and money. We can stop them shooting at the wrong targets and getting lost and giving us something that we're not going to use. We might have to tell them some some hard truths, but we can do that for them. And we're free. It's a bit of a no-brainer, really, isn't it? And well, it does annoy me sometimes when I'm not treated like a an adult and a useful yeah. person. Sure. I mean, you know, I've been to meetings of Dementia Action Alliances and looked around the table and thought, well, where are the people that this really should be at this table? And they're not. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's yeah. just one of those things. Let's move on to something else, something that we, I know, have talked about. Um, dementia and TV uh, and a dementia-based TV channel. Well, I've got to be in my bonnet a, re- a little while ago. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that we have such a diverse media now, don't we? You know, we have Instagram, podcasts, um, online services. We have Freeview Television. We have a plethora of ways to get information out of people. It used to be that there were a few newspapers, three channels of TV, and good old radio, and that was it. But we, you, 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 that, that's no good anymore. That doesn't work. So how do you reach your target audience of people with dementia there to inform them, to educate them, to entertain them? How do you do it? Well, do you know, none of our major charities know how to do it. They haven't got a clue. They do their best. They're always putting out videos. You have a look on your your average YouTube channel, you're lucky to get 500 hits. That's a lot of money to be spent for 500 hits. Um, and it costs an awful lot of money to advertise on TV. So I'm thinking, well, how do we get the message across? How do we get the messages across about staying healthy and well to improve our well-being and keep us out of the NHS system? Uh, how do you get the message of hope out there to people with illness? And I suddenly thought, well, the way I'd do it is have a free view channel. <clears throat> and the thing about a free view channel is it's free to air. All you need is 
a TV aerial. That's all you need. You don't have to have a, a, a subscription. You don't have to have even an internet connection. Do it. So I started to look into it, and I found that it's a more complex thing than I thought it was. Um, there are no free view channels available at the moment, really, realistically. They're all taken. Uh, they come up every now and then for auction, but on average, it's about a million pounds on auction for a free view channel. Now, that's a lot of money. That uh, doesn't scare me because uh, I, don't, I still think it can be done. I've been in touch with some charities and people um, who are already considering Dementia TV channels, but they're all subscription service. And I really don't think that that's the way they should be going. My plan is to monetize it through advertising, targeted advertising. I'd like to see the big heavyweights like um, Saga, Cozy Feet. How many times do you get a Cozy Feet catalogue through your door? They're massive. Honestly, they're absolutely massive, and they're great, but it must cost them a fortune. Why wouldn't they? Why not have a, a, a sponsored program on the TV? I'm sure they would jump at it, uh, but I'll find out when I get in touch with them. The same with Saga. You know, I'm not just a bloke living with dementia. I'm a consumer too. I buy stuff, and I want to know what's out there. You know, the, what might benefit me? What gadgets are there that, that might that might benefit me? Got any discounts for holidays? All of those things, you know. Are there any dementia-friendly holidays or services out there? Oh, I'd really be interested in that. And um, where do they advertise those nowadays? Well, they could advertise them on a dementia TV channel, couldn't they? Imagine what you could do 24 hours a day. You know, wow, I'd love to see uh, a singing, of karaoke singing for the brain show on there because many people – Maybe a little bit self-conscious when they're in a large group about singing. I know I am because uh, I, I'm, I've got no voice to start. My, <laughs> my singing voice is awful. But if I'm sitting in my front room in front of the television doing it, I've got no self-consciousness at all. I'll sing away. The only people who can hear me are the next door neighbours. And it serves them right, actually. But uh, so there's that. What about a Keep Fit programme? I go to a dementia group and I love it. And sometimes we have a little bit of chair aerobics. And uh, I noticed that a few people there, their coordination is not that good anymore because that's affected and their balance is affected by their dementia. It is, so is mine, by the way. So because of that, we're a little bit reticent about doing all of these Zumba things where we have to, you know, we stick to a beat and all these dance moves with other people in the room because we're clumsy. Put us, however, in our living rooms in front of the television doing it, and all of that's gone. We we don't mind because there's no one there going to be looking at us and we don't feel self-conscious. We'll do that. Let's have a nostalgia programme. Look at all those out-of-town programmes used to be on the television long ago. I bet they're sitting there on a dusty old shelf somewhere, you know, not being used. And yeah, I'd love to rewatch all of those things. It might give me a few ideas about arts and crafts and things I could be doing because I can't work anymore because employers, many of them have decided that I'm of no use now. I've got a diagnosis of dementia and they won't make the reasonable adjustments that they're required to by law. Well, you know, let's let them people teach me how to make things out of wicker or uh, do a bit of wood carving or, you know, do some of those wonderful things that uh, the chap whose name I can't remember now used to do on Out of Town. So there's that. 
movies. Why not old movies? Why not a 60s hour? I can see a job for you coming up here, Pete. I'd love to do that. You know, let's have a 60s hour and a 70s hour, an American garage bands in the 60s hour or something like that. Some some blues. Let's have a bit of felonious monk on there. And uh, you know, let's have let's have de- programs dedicated to that. What about their minorities? Why don't we have an Asian hour? Why don't we have all those things? You know, the world of the of the Caribbean. What's it like to grow up in the Caribbean? What about calypso music and all those wonderful tunes and that you know that wonderful culture that grew up there? Because we don't look after our minorities with dementia so much. It's difficult for them. You know, I don't want to. They don't want to sit in a room. You know, for a dementia uh, morning when they got you know nineteen people. Um, talking about local things that have been brought up local and a local child, and, and it, it doesn't really resonate with them because they were brought up in a different culture with different smells and sights and lovely stories and things like that, you know, the things that connect you with your past. And they deserve that. And not only that, I want to learn more about their culture too. I want to help them celebrate the, you know, the, the wonderful things that, that, that are in their culture. That I that I don't know about. So you know we would have the room for all of that, but I'm having tr- great trouble convincing anybody to come on board with me. I don't think it should be difficult. Look, dementia is not um, partial to 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 any one person or any one thing. There are TV presenters out there who are living with dementia now. TV producers. There are there are videographers. People from every walk of life and every profession who are living out there with dementia or are carers for people with dementia or have an interest in dementia. Come on, come on board and help me to do this. You know, and make yourself useful as well. Don't just sit there feeling sorry for yourself because you've got a diagnosis of dementia. Do it. You know, were you in sport all your life? Come and present a, a sports programme or, or a bit of something about dementia news. Come and do it. Help us. Let's have a collective here. Well, you know, as, as you know, yeah, sorry, but we should do it. You know, I'm fully behind it, and uh, you know, hopefully, we will follow the uh, the story through. Uh, unfortunately, time's bringing us to a close. Uh, the meeting of two beats has been an absolute pleasure, as I knew it would be, and we'll have to get you back on in a couple of months for uh, for part two, if that's okay. Yes, please, I'd love to. I'll let you know how I get on. I'm, I'm in contact with a few people at the moment who. Uh, who might help me, and it might have to be an internet-based service to start with, just in order to attract um, subscribers, um, you know, to advertise. But after that, I can't see why it wouldn't roll out like a juggernaut. And thank you very much, Peter, for letting me waffle on like a madman for so long. But Kermit, I'm passionate about all of this, you know, I really am. Oh, it's been great, and that passion really comes across. And uh, if anybody, please go and read Pete's blog. It's excellent. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Thanks to Bede for being my guest. I'm looking forward to hearing much more about that comedy writing course, and I'm sure we'll chat again in the future. Well, that's it for this edition of the podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it, and you'll join me again soon for some more Dementia Talk.